Welcome to Set Impact, where we discuss how emerging technologies are changing sectors, society, and the world at large. Did you know virtual and augmented reality have the potential to add as much as $1.5 trillion to the global economy by 2030? In today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Jeremy Dalton, the head of VR and AR at PwC and the advisory board member of Immerse UK. In this episode, uh, we're going to be discussing the different use cases in a wide variety of settings, such as the health tech sector, education, manufacturing, and many, many more. But more importantly, we're going to be providing you with a balanced perspective on the value AR and VR can provide to humanity, and also the ethical considerations needed as we move into a world that leverages AR and VR and becomes much more reliant on AR and VR. So before we go into the episode, our sponsor today is The Open Journal, a London video agency that have assisted many venture-backed startups in London in creating fair-priced, world-class video assets, um, whether it's for their marketing and sales efforts, recruitment videos, or even just simply capturing company events. They did a phenomenal job in their documentary on how girls in India um, could use football as therapy. And um, much more recently, actually, they, um, they worked with Raina Patel, who's a former guest of ours uh, from Vine Health. Uh, they did a fantastic job on their product launch. So reach out to The Open Journal, speak to Priyash, who's the founder, to explore how video can assist you in meeting your company's objectives on www.theopenjournal.co.uk. Now let's get to the podcast. <laughs> So we're here with Jeremy Dalton from PwC. Thank you so much for being here. Pleasure to be here, Chef. Yeah, um, look, before we go into what PwC do uh, yeah. around the VR and AR space, um, you personally, uh, on a human level, what really excites you about AR and VR? So I had to, I had to work my way through this a few years ago yeah. when I was involved in innovation in PwC. Okay. And there I had remit over a number of emerging technologies. Mm. So I was talking to clients about blockchain, artificial intelligence, virtual yeah. reality, augmented reality, and a whole slew of other technologies. Yeah. But I thought to myself, I've really got to pick one to add real value and mm. dig deep into that area. So I started looking at all of these emerging technologies. Yeah. I landed on virtual reality and augmented reality because I think the effect that these technologies have on people like you and I is just so incredible that plus it's going to have, it already has and will have even more amazing applications in both our personal and professional lives mm -hmm. in the future. So it just really excites me the, the, the effect it can have yeah. on, on humans that, uh, that experience it, mm -hmm. as well as the, the sheer number of applications across different industries. Mm. Was it like a use case that just blew your mind and just tugged at your heartstrings? <laughs> Ah, blew my mind and tugged at my heartstrings. I would say the one, the use cases that usually tug at the heartstrings are the ones that put you in the shoes of someone in a completely different situation, a completely different environment, a difficult situation. So there are many, um, there are many applications where virtual reality is being used to put you in the shoes of a refugee, for example, mm. understanding what they're going through. That is very difficult to convey that sheer level of emotion mm. and, um, and, and empathy for those individuals. Mm. So virtual reality is an amazing technology uh, to be used as an empathy machine mm. is the term that gets used quite a lot. I remember seeing a, a use case where there was a technology that enabled somebody to practice firing somebody. Um, 
that was quite bizarre. I mean, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know you could practice that type of simulation before. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you can, but the way organizations usually conduct that training, and this yeah. applies to lots of other soft skills training. Mm. So learning how to let someone go is one of them that you mentioned. Um, the other ones are public speaking, yeah. for example, negotiations, sales training. Those are all difficult to teach just theoretically through mm. a computer screen. However, in virtual reality, you can actually feel like you're having a conversation. Now, the way you would do that prior to having virtual reality technology available mm. is you would bring someone in. So someone, someone real, like yourself, we'd yeah. hire someone as an actor or actress, mm. and we would pay them for the, the half day or the day, and we would engage in that conversation and uh, they would obviously pretend to take on the role mm -hmm. of the person being made redundant or the person you're trying to sell a product to or whatever mm. it is. But with virtual reality technology, you can feel the impact of having that one-on-one -on -one conversation mm. uh, in a very scalable way. Yeah. Because often if you think about it from an organization's perspective, yeah. very difficult to hire someone at short, an actor or actress at short notice, logistically challenging to bring them to the location that you're trying to conduct the training, yeah. and to then make that available to let's say 100 people over the course of two or three days. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge across a number of aspects, mm. but all of those challenges are tackled using virtual reality mm. technology because you can have an unlimited number of trainers, because yeah. you, have, you can have an unlimited number of headsets. Yeah. The, te the technology is software, so that can go anywhere in the world. Yeah. And it's reasonably cheap as well. Mm. That's amazing. Um, PwC specifically, how do you guys help your clients understand VR much better? And, and what is it that you do for your clients? So at PwC, we're all about building trust in society and solving important problems. Mm. So that, that happens whether it's virtual reality technology, whether it's SAP implementations, tax advice, and so on. Mm. So talking about it from a virtual reality and augmented reality mm. perspective, we're all about helping clients use this technology to add business value. So we help them understand it at the very first stage. Mm. What is it all about? How can it add value to your business, your particular industry? What could you do in the short term and long term? What's coming uh, in the future that we can't do right now, mm. but is really going to disrupt your industry and your business? Mm. It's all about hashing that out, giving them firsthand demonstrations of the technology, because yeah. that itself in virtual reality is incredibly important. Yeah. Virtual reality is a, is a front end technology in the sense that it is very visual, it's very experiential. Therefore, me talking about it only gets you 50% of the way. To really get to 100%, we need to put clients inside virtual reality and augmented reality experiences, yeah. give them that first-hand demonstration. Mm. So that's what this initial stage, those workshops are about. Mm. Then it moves on, once they understand, to designing the software, helping them to build the business case. Yeah. Know what is the return on investment of implementing virtual reality and augmented reality solutions in your company. Mm. Then it's about developing the software. We yeah. have an in-house development team here at PwC um, that uses Unity, Unreal, and other uh, game engines mm. to develop business software. Mm. And then it's about deployment. So taking all of that strategy work, all of that understanding, that software that's been developed, and actually making it real in the enterprise. Mm. A lot of businesses fail to see the value in that stage, but that is of critical importance. Mm. If you develop the best software in the world, if you design it to cover every aspect, 
it doesn't matter if you don't deploy it successfully, if you don't get your people on board, mm. your leaders on board, if you don't train the, the, the trainers correctly. Yeah. Ultimately, if that deployment is poor, the entire implementation fails. Mm. And then finally, last stage, the debrief stage, this is all about um, using data collected during the experience and during the deployment mm. to provide information as to how valuable that was. And that can be used yeah. to then go to the second stage of maybe developing a version two of the training. Yeah. Maybe the next stage is around uh, developing a, pivoting in a different direction. Mm. Or maybe even it's about saying, this didn't work for us, because that's okay as well. Mm. Ultimately, this is all about learning from the experience. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, what considerations do companies really need to make to unlock the true value of AR and VR? One of the first things is about focusing on solving business problems. Mm. So a lot of companies get uh, very excited about the hype or the novelty around the technology. They just want to use it for mm. whatever reason. Mm. But it's really important to stay grounded. Remember, what is the business problem you're trying to solve? And also, or another way of considering it is what is the opportunity that you are trying to take advantage of? Mm. Second point is around building a seamless experience. So as you're considering the development of this software, you really want to make it as intuitive as possible and as easy as possible for users to actually um, to use. Mm. Because at the end of the day, if they, ha if they struggle with the controls, if mm. they don't know what to do, if they need a lot of facilitation, that is gonna start to slow down your implementation. It's gonna build resentment, mm. friction, and you don't want that at all. Mm. And um, the, the other thing is about thinking, more than, thinking about more than just the software. So I know we spoke previously about this, but high level summary, virtual reality and augmented reality is not just about building the software. That is one component. Mm. The other components are around understanding it, understanding what's coming from the future, mm. designing that properly. On the other side, deploying it properly, gathering the, the right amount of data, interpreting that data to inform what you do next. Mm. These are all incredibly important. Mm. And, um, and the next is all about getting stuck in with a use case. So, a lot of companies shy away from VR and AR because they think, right, we, we can't afford to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on something that may not work. Mm. That's okay. You don't need to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds. But what you should do is start somewhere. Put tens of thousands into it. Build a small use case. See how that goes. And then based on that data and the return on investment you're getting from that small implementation, then build out further if you see the value in it. Your, the, the PwC Seeing is Believing report uh, yeah. claimed that AR and VR can add over $1.5 trillion to the global economy. What's driving the change um, and why now? Could you talk about some of the business benefits and some of the technological advancements that's contributing towards this? Yeah, Thank sure, you. sure. If you consider any industry, hmm. there is usefulness and there are useful applications of virtual reality and augmented reality in those industries. So to take some use cases that could be applied across everywhere, we've got training. Training, I mentioned soft skills training previously, but you can also do job skill training. So physically hands-on stuff as an engineer, what actions do I need to perform to maintain certain equipment? Mm. That sort of training has business benefits in the sense that it saves cost, 
Um, it increases your ability to scale. Uh, it connects people together in a much stronger way, collaboration-wise. So now, instead of having to transport people all over the globe to come together to review an iteration of a vehicle, mm. let's say, yeah. everyone can just put on their virtual reality headset from anywhere in the world and be together, share that same space, see that new prototype vehicle at the right scale, open the doors, sit down on the seat, you know, take hold of the steering wheel. It's, it's absolutely amazing the sort yeah. of stuff you can do with this technology to bring people together. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned training, I mentioned collaboration. There are also applications around indoor navigation, for example. In the future, I 100% believe yeah. we're going to have people navigating complex indoor environments like shopping malls, like multi-level retail stores, uh, using our mobile phones, which give us a much clearer direction of where to go in those stores if you're trying to get to at the nearest coffee shop or yeah. you're trying to go to the cinema. Yeah. Pr prior to this technology being implemented, you'd have to go to a map. You'd have to figure out where you are on the map. Mm. You'd have to locate yourself. Then you'd have to remember what direction you need to take as you travel through mm. this complicated labyrinthian environment. Mm. But when you have your mobile phone up, in front of you, mm. that can give you directions right on your screen in your in your field of view. Yeah. So it can say, right, those escalators there, go up those escalators. Mm. Now take a left. So it can give you those yeah, those those direction indicators on the floor for you yeah. to follow effectively. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I remember a startup trying to work on that, and I think Google are trying to work on that in, um, uh, amongst their Google Maps. Yeah, technology. Google Maps has uh, has AR functionality yeah. that allows you to do that um, in an out in an outdoors space. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's much more it's a much more difficult problem when it comes to indoors because yeah. obviously you no longer have access to the GPS, mm. or at least it's very uh, it's too inaccurate indoors that you can't really use it as mm. a as an accurate form of indoor pathway finding. Mm. The other, the, going back to the learning and development, like that really fascinates me because I had learning difficulties when I was young. I wish I was a kid in, in today's world because the, the ability to gamify the learning experience and be completely immersed and I don't know, I, I've, I've seen one technology where you can pick apart the heart and actually learn where the iota is and, and, and different parts of the heart. That, that immersive learning is just amazing. and. I think the other one is it democratizes access to expensive educational uh, courses because you could be on the other side of the world. If you do, eventually when the price does come down, you'll be able to access these expensive courses at a fraction of the price. So it democratizes education to a massive level. Absolutely. Yeah. And even in addition to that, that democratization of, mm. of education point is really interesting mm. because you have companies now that are actually creating entire lab environments in virtual reality. And what that means is you can perform experiments using lab equipment and getting real scientific results yeah. from that experiment in the virtual reality environment. Yeah. But you're not paying hundreds of thousands of pounds to have access to that lab equipment because it's yeah. just software. Yeah. That software can travel all over the world mm. and it can run on headsets that cost hundreds of pounds. Mm. So really, yeah. the, the spread of academic knowledge that this technology is enabling is quite amazing. Yeah. Um, have you seen, what areas of development do you see in the education and also the healthcare world uh, from an AR and VR perspective? So in the healthcare world, you have companies that ha are already selling 
healthcare virtual reality products. Mm. They tend to be in the in the education, in the training space. Yeah. But to give you an example, this is not even new news, but years ago, mm. uh, a company in the UK called Medical Realities, they advertised um, a, a training product and they were the first company to do a live stream of a surgery using virtual reality technology and what that means is people from all over the world so students in China in New Zealand in the US mm. um, in Nigeria they could all access this technology and mm. they could be in the operating theater hundreds of them yeah. with the nurses with the anesthesiologists with the surgeons and understand how that operation takes place mm. from as close as possible to reality yeah but in a scalable way because yeah. it would be impossible for hundreds of them to be in an operating room mm. Mm. And, and the consideration people need to make is like um you're not it's not going to be 100 percent perfect but it should improve your ability to Op, you know, do the do the task in in the real world if you can perform it in a virtual world because the ability to do it in in the real world costs a lot of money and it may not be accessible to everyone. Um, in yeah. terms in terms of other sectors, um, manufacturing. I mean, and also like product and service development. What areas of um, how have you seen that type of area you know develop? So I think for manufacturing, mm. augmented reality is really interesting. Interesting, okay. And what I'm thinking about and uh, what a lot of these companies are thinking about is the idea of using augmented reality as a technology to help inform what they are doing to make them more efficient mm. with what they're doing. So you consider a, a process that needs to happen on a machine. Mm. First of all, how do you use that machine? How complicated is it? There may be hundreds of procedures that you might need to perform at some point or another on that specific machine mm. or another machine or another one. So that in other words, there could be hundreds of machines and hundreds of procedures. That is a lot of training time. That is a lot of expertise that needs to be built up. Mm. And from a knowledge uh, from a knowledge transfer perspective, when we've got people retiring from that industry and needing to transfer that knowledge to the next generation mm. of workers and employees, that is another challenge that augmented reality can help with because in effect, what's happening is either through your phone or perhaps uh, more interestingly through a head-mounted display mm. with a clear visor on the front, mm. you can see it can see what the what machine you're looking at. Yeah. You can tell it what action you need to perform or you want to perform on the machine. Mm -hmm. And it can then highlight on that machine directly what buttons you need to press, what levers you need to pull, what wires you need to cut, whatever it is, all of that instruction can be given to you through augmented reality mm. and you think about what the alternative was yeah. i would have to you know use a a piece of paper mm. uh, a pdf file or, or something or other to refer to to understand okay machine is here instructions are here um i think i need to perform this sort of procedure over there mm. and you're constantly referring back and forth trying to make sense of what you're seeing on paper yeah. to what you're seeing in the real world yeah that translation can result in errors mm. it's more time consuming and therefore more costly mm. but if we can go directly to the machine mm. through augmented reality and highlight directly on it exactly what you're supposed to do mm. then we reduce errors we reduce costs and we ultimately create a much more efficient form of operation. Mm -hmm. And um, it, have you guys worked with companies in the healthcare space, the learning and development space or the manufacturing space and, and how so? 
So we've worked with companies across all these yeah. different industries and at various stages. Mm. So I mentioned the sort of work we do with clients. It's yeah. around helping them understand the technology. We've run workshops with those clients before. Uh, we've built applications for them, prototypes to test. Mm. Uh, we've built fully fledged products that we've introduced into their organizations. Mm. And we've also helped them to understand the value of the technology so that they can then take a real business case back to their stakeholders, mm. stakeholders to say, this virtual reality or augmented reality implementation was successful. It resulted in X number of people um, being able to train Y percent faster mm. and so on. So that's the sort of stuff we're looking at. Mm. I mean, to mention one example for yeah. you, um, in, in, the, in the financial services industry, we worked with a global bank to, to help their, their leadership understand their, the effect of how they communicate to their employees mm. to help them create more effective communication. So, so what we did is we used virtual reality to put them in an everyday scenario mm. and considered some potentially negative behaviors that might happen and how to mitigate them, how it feels to be on the receiving end of those behaviors. So it was, uh, it was an empathy and leadership training, change management, uh, behavioral change play for us. Mm. That's incredible. Um, uh, in terms of the technology itself, I mean, it's a powerful technology and it has the potential and the ability to kind of unlock a lot of value for humanity as a whole. But there is a dark side with every great technology. Um, you know, what happens when, you know, the virtual world becomes more enticing than nature and, and the real world. Um, these are ethical and ethical considerations we really need to take into account. In your opinion, are there ethical and regulatory considerations, considerations that need to be made as we progress into a world that leverages AR and VR um, as part of our daily lives? I definitely think there is there there needs to be a responsible mm. understanding of, of how to use this technology. Yeah. It it's going to need to be thought out more deeply mm. and that's going to have to be thought out not only by by regulators by government mm. but also by um, also by implementers of the technology like ourselves yeah. it's going to need to be thought about by the users of the technology mm. the general public um, and it's also going to need to be thought about from the perspective of the manufacturers yeah. of these of the, this hardware mm. Mm. Uh, these headsets these um, these haptics technology providers whatever mm. it is I think the entire ecosystem needs to come together yeah. to have a, a holistic and joined up conversation mm. to understand how could this technology go wrong? Mm. Because every technology can go wrong. Yeah. And how do we mitigate against that? Mm. At the end of the day, it's not about the technology being evil or good. Yeah. Technology is agnostic. Yeah. We, as the users of the technology, are responsible mm. for making sure that we promote the best uses of that technology mm. for our society mm. and try and mitigate against the negative uses. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, I think, you know, uh, at times it takes regulators to catch up to understand the technology more often. So it's kind of the onus is on the hardware developers, the games developers, um, the content providers to actually 
um, have frameworks and ethical considerations whilst they're building out the design of their technology. Yeah, we, we, we shouldn't take one party, yeah. whether it's regulators or whether it's game developers or mm. whether it's headset manufacturers and say mm. the onus is on you <laughs> and only you yeah. to think about the responsible uses yeah. of this technology. Yeah. I think every party needs to take some responsibility mm. and push the best uses forward. You work with Immersive UK. Was it Immerse UK? Immerse UK. Yeah. Immerse UK. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do with them and the type of work that they do as well? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Immerse UK is a UK government-backed entity mm. that ultimately helps the UK virtual reality and augmented reality ecosystem by connecting industry to academia, to uh, to government and helping to uh, helping to join all those pieces together mm. so that when it comes to questions about regulation when it comes to questions about best practices mm. when it comes to um, the use of the technology and the 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 large number of British companies that are that are building up virtual reality and augmented reality solutions it's about helping them to connect to the right places to to get their product um, in front of a lot of different eyes in industry mm. helping academia to conduct the right research that is then useful to enterprise mm. putting all of those things together but also making the uk a very well-known place for virtual reality and augmented reality technology worldwide mm. Mm. because ultimately if you think about it we are the fifth biggest nation for game development in the world mm. and that itself is incredibly important from a VRAR perspective even in industry and business because that game development expertise and talent is go is being used in virtual reality and augmented reality solutions for business mm. so the connection here is that we have such a strong games industry that talent feeds into virtual reality and augmented reality and then that work feeds into industry and the type of solutions we can produce that add business value mm. academia feeds in because the research they do then provides evidence for the value of these technologies yeah. in industry as well so you see how this all of this comes together yeah. at a global level yeah. and that's what we want to try and promote mm. The other thing we wanted to really talk about during this, I don't know, what do you call it, a podcast as such, um, was you were creating a book right now. You mentioned you couldn't name uh, you couldn't you couldn't name the book, but could you give us an overview of the of what it's about and who it's for? Sure. So I'm mm. writing a book about virtual reality and augmented reality technology and business. Mm. Um, I've got a, a deal with a publisher, so they are going to publish that book in quarter four of yeah. 2020. And this is all about helping organizations understand the value of virtual reality and augmented reality mm. technology across all industries, how it's being used, what are the challenges of implementing it in business, how can you mitigate against those challenges, what do you need to be aware of when implementing VRAR technology, what are the steps to implementation, how are businesses in different industries using it right now, mm. so talking about a few case studies as well, and bringing that all together so that somebody who doesn't have a strong understanding of VR and AR technology can pick up this book and from a very ground level build up a very strong understanding of this technology and the value that it has and will have in the business world. Mm, amazing. Yeah. So a uh, quick fire round. Most valuable purchase under £100? 
So I have to admit, from a personal perspective, I think my yearly Amazon Prime membership is probably <laughs> my personal be uh, best under £100 purchase, given how much stuff I order um, in general. I, it's At the end of the day, I whenever I'm after anything, whether it's a screwdriver uh, or a book um, or a, uh, a new computer, laptop, any electronic device, mm -hmm. generally, I turn to Amazon because I know I can get it next day or in some cases the same day. And then, of course, as a bonus, I get to watch all of the Amazon Prime stuff as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that's my favorite <laughs> under £100 purchase, definitely. My problem with Amazon Prime is I keep on ordering stuff, so I'm planning <laughs> on deleting it. <laughs> that is the challenge as well. <laughs> um, a book that you would give to uh, somebody that's really interested in innovation and how the future of the world will look like, apart from your book? <laughs> Ooh, innovation one. I hadn't thought about that one. I was thinking about a completely different book, actually, uh, when we first mentioned it. Uh, Do you want the innovation one? I can probably th grab something I've got in my library. Um, uh, what, what book were you...? Well, I was thinking of um, a book called The Righteous Mind. Okay. And this is all about helping people to understand each other and where they're coming from. Because the world is becoming an ever more divisive place. Mm. We're, we're getting very polarized opinions on a number of topics mm. and this book does a very good job at helping to bridge that chasm to help people mm. understand where everyone else is coming from and i think that is becoming increasingly more important mm. given the nature of the world these days amazing and uh, most valuable advice you've received most valuable advice i received was actually from my uncle and uh, he works in, uh, in insurance mm. in, um, in that industry. And uh, he once described to me a situation where whenever you're entering into a negotiation between two parties, uh, each party is always fighting for themselves, obviously, mm. trying to get the best deal possible. Mm. But if you go into negotiations thinking, how can I help the other side get to what they want to, mm most easily while still retaining the objective that I need to, I need to mm. ach achieve at the end of the day. Mm. If you come out of that meeting where both sides feel they've won, mm. then that is the best situation possible. So in summary, thinking about what is the currency of the individual on the other side of the negotiation mm. and how can I help them to, to win yeah. while at the same time achieving my objective? That's a, that, that's a complete paradigm shift because normally it's like, listen, I'm going to get as much it's as I can. It's all about me, exactly. Yeah. I'm absolutely, I don't care what you want. <laughs> this is all about me getting as much as I want. Yeah. And I think that creates a very, uh, a very antagonistic um, mm. atmosphere. And in fact, probably, probably um, actually, what's the word? Um, it, uh, it goes against you at the end of the day. Mm. Because mm. if you create that antagonistic atmosphere, the person on the other end is not going to want to work with you, is not going to want to cooperate. Yeah. So they will suddenly they will suddenly um, uh, retreat inwards mm. and think about what they can get out of this situation. So effectively, what you're doing is you're moving away from each other yeah. even further and further. Yeah. Whereas if you think about what each other, what each party wants and try and win for each other, mm. then you get closer and closer together. Yeah, that's amazing. And the, what are like the most valuable failures that, in, that have in hindsight kind of set you up for success or on the current trajectory you're on right now? Personal or in professional uh, yeah. worlds? 
I give a lot of presentations mm. all over the world. Yeah. I give a lot of demonstrations of VR and AR technology, and I do a lot of interviews. Mm. I still remember the worst presentation I ever gave. <laughs> and funnily enough, it was also the one that I had prepared the most for. <laughs> So I had every, every single point written down. I had yeah. every single uh, counter argument written down. I had an entire flow of what I would speak about and what point would go after which one. The mm. whole chronology of the presentation I had on paper in front of me as I was prepared to address this audience of hundreds. Mm. The reason why it was the worst, because suddenly that preparation became a crutch. So I had to keep referring to that paper. I was, I was wedded to that paper. I couldn't disconnect from it mm. in the sense that I had my first point, maybe I got that down. And then all of a sudden, yes, I could try and improvise, but no, I wanted to stick to my script because that's what I written. Mm. I had it perfectly down. Mm. So suddenly I, I couldn't work by myself. I couldn't improvise. I couldn't talk yeah. on my own. I couldn't think for myself. It all had to be from the paper. Mm. So it ended up being a very, a very stilted, um, and paradoxically, it appeared as a very unprepared presentation, <laughs> despite how much preparation went into it. So the lesson I learned from that miserable failure was don't go so deeply into preparing for a lot of these presentations, because at mm. the end of the day, have the, the general points in your mind about what you want to go through and that idea. But if you prepare too much, you will not be able to disconnect from that preparation and you will rely on it and it will become a crutch. Yeah. <laughs> How long ago uh, did you learn this lesson? I learned it only about, uh, it's probably three or four years ago now. So it was reasonably recent <laughs> yeah. as far as things go. Um, what gives you the most gratitude and joy for what you're doing right now? Because it's clearly impactful. Yeah. I spent a long time uh, on my own trying to push virtual reality and augmented reality. And I enjoyed it because I was very passionate about the technology and I believed in the technology. Mm -hmm. But that isn't the primary thing that drives me right now. Mm -hmm. What drives me right now is the team that I work alongside with and the fact that they have an equal level of passion and excitement for what we are trying to do. Mm -hmm. and. It's just about their, their work ethic, their hard work, um, the fact that they're, they're willing to put in um, you know, the, the effort required to make this such um, an incredible business, but also an incredible opportunity for all of us mm -hmm. to really learn from the technology, uh, to engage with all these exciting businesses around the use of the technology. So I think in summary, it's the great team I work with and the fact that we all get to continuously learn every day. Mm. Amazing. I guess that wraps up the interview. So thank you so much for being on our show. Really appreciate it. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much, Jeff.